Well, hello everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Mustard Seed Leadership Podcast. We are on part three of this journey called Jesus' Letters to Leaders. Jesus writes seven letters to seven leaders, giving seven lessons on leading victoriously, all from the beginning of the book of Revelation. And uh, remember two weeks ago, we started looking at the letter to Ephesus. Kingdom leaders are in love with Jesus. So different kingdom leadership from worldly leadership, obviously. And then last week, the letter to Smyrna, kingdom leaders understand suffering. Also, the gospel is rooted, turning suffering of the cross into resurrection, life and power. It's critical we understand. So we're heading off to Pergamum today and uh, lots to cover. So kingdom leaders know how to wield the sword of God's word. This is a critical lesson. So let me read the letter, Revelation 2 verses 12 to 17 to the angel of the church in Pergamum. Right, these are the words of him who has the sharp double-edged sword. I know where you live, where Satan has his throne. Yet you remain true to my name. You did not renounce your faith in me, not even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness who was put to death in your city where Satan lives. Yikes. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. There are some among you who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin so that they ate food sacrificed to idols and committed sexual immorality. Likewise, you also have those who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Repent therefore, otherwise I will soon come to you and will fight against you with the sword of my mouth. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to the one who is victorious. I will give some of their hidden manna. I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. So lots to cover. And let's once again, let's start with the revelation because that's the key. Who, to, from him who has the sharp double-edged sword. Now, this is one of those pictures of Jesus as the living word of God with a particular emphasis on the double-edgedness of the sword. It, it speaks again in Revelation 19 verse 5. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God. Now, the focus, I believe, that Jesus was bringing to this church is, is we know Jesus is the living word. We read in John 1, the first couple of verses, his word is life. It's light. Uh, his word uh, uh, brings life and light and creates in our lives. And yet the other side of his word is it convicts, it judges, and it exposes. In uh, Hebrews 4 verse 12, it says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates, even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. So this is the revelation I believe Jesus wants these leaders to understand. Yes, my word feeds and strengthens and encourages, but my word also convicts, judges, and exposes. And that's what this church needed to hear because this was the problem in the church. So what was the assessment? Well, on the positive side, this was a courageous church. They'd lost one of their members who had literally been martyred. Jesus is saying the very throne of Satan is in your city. So there was obviously attacks that came against the church from the outside and they were courageous, they were bold, they stood firm. However, nevertheless, 
some were holding to false teaching. Now, what we're going to see in this church is the attacks from the outside, they stood firm. But there were attacks coming from the inside of the church that either they were unaware of or they were not defending themselves against. And they came in the form of false teaching. Two in particular. Firstly, the teaching of Balaam. Now in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 15, it says they have left the straight way and wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, son of Beza, who loved the wages of wickedness. This is an Old Testament story of how Balaam was used to try and curse God's people. He couldn't curse them. So then he taught the, uh, this invading army how to entice the Israelites into sexual immorality and food sacrifice to idols. Verse 16 says, but he was rebuked for his wrongdoing by a donkey, an animal without speech, who spoke with a human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. In other words, the heart of Balaam's teaching was actually teaching people whatever they want to hear because of financial gain. And that can creep into the church so easily. Oftentimes, the root of false doctrine is actually rooted in finance. And you might have had some experience with that. I know I have. Secondly was the teaching of the Nicolaitans. The definition here is the Nicolaitan uh, form of teaching was seemingly a class of professing Christians who sought to introduce into the church a false freedom of licentiousness, thus abusing Paul's doctrine of grace. So basically this teaching, similar to Balaam, but now it was motivated just by popularity and pleasure. Introducing this form of grace where there's no empowering grace to overcome sin, but rather Jesus has done the work and it doesn't matter what we do now. In other words, it's teaching people what their itching ears want to hear. So these two forms of teaching, teaching based on financial gain or teaching based on uh, licentiousness and the, the abuse of grace were allowed in the church and more and more people were holding to them. So the big idea is they stood against the enemy on the outside, but they failed to protect the gospel from the inside. And so Jesus once again calls them to repent. Now the key word is to hold, or is the word hold. It says many are holding to their teaching. Now, the reality for kingdom leaders is when we hold to truth, truth sets free. When we hold to lies, the holds become strongholds, which literally bring the very throne of Satan into our lives and into our church, because whatever we hold to, God's word sets us free. The enemy leads to strongholds in our lives. False teaching literally brings Satan's throne into the church. Examples of what they should have been doing in Titus 1 verses 10 and 11, it says, For there are many rebellious people, full of meaningless talk and deception, especially those of the circumcision group. They must be silenced because they disrupting hold households by teaching things that ought not to teach and that for the sake of dishonest gain. In other words, kingdom leaders should be using the word of God, the sword of the spirit to refute and silence false teaching. In Acts chapter 20, verses 29 to 31, it says, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning you night and day with tears. In other words, kingdom leaders should be on guard and should be warning the people against the dangers of false teaching. So that's what they should have been doing. Watch the reward if they repented, if they began to silence this false teaching and began to be on God and warn people against the dangers. Well, three quick things. One, Jesus says, I'll give you some of the secret manna, which is amazing because manna wasn't in secret. It was just there on the ground every morning. But what Jesus is saying is there's even more to my word. The depths and beauty of God's word, the more we prepare to dig, there's greater and greater truth that he wants to reveal. As you fight with the word, you will be fed even more 
more deeply by his word. Secondly, it says you will receive a white stone, which is interesting. One of the commentaries says that a white stone was often given to victors at the games and it was common for special banquets or festivities to use as a white stone for admission. It therefore suggests acceptance and victory. In other words, I'll give you that admission into the banquet. It's almost like as we learn to fight with God's word, we enter into a greater sense of fellowship and feasting with the Lord. And then thirdly, a new name, a transformed identity. New name probably refers to the recipient's transformed nature in Christ. A new name is significant because remember, God named Adam when he started the line of humanity. He renamed Abraham when he started a covenant people. Jesus renamed Peter when he started the church. And so a new name means a new move from God. So learning to fight with the sword of God's word can start a whole new move of God. So Challenge leaders is not just to protect the church from the attacks on the outside, but using the sword of the Spirit, let's protect the Word of God on the inside. Hope it helps. Can't wait to see you again soon. May the Lord bless you. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Remember, if you'd like the notes that come along with this episode or any one of our past episodes, you can visit outlookchurch.co.za forward slash mustard seed leadership where you can see all our past episodes, all the resources and notes that go along with this. Until next time, keep growing.